Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Alike Okunpawale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBT WSBTRadio.com, the free WSBT Radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Alongside Eric Hansen, the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com, covering Notre Dame athletics as part of the Rivals Network. Sorry I'm a little hoarse today, dealing with one of those colds you sometimes have this time of the year. So I'm just going to shut up and let Eric do all the talking, which is better for everybody over the next hour here on WSBT Radio. We have plenty of Notre Dame football talk to get to. The Advantage game. Recap of Eric's chat yesterday at InsideIndieSports.com. We have a very interesting Twitter question of the day results. And I think an interesting question we have for today as well. Coming up next hour, VEASAN host and Notre Dame football fan Tim Murray joins me. We talk about a lot of things, including a quick thought on the spread of the Notre Dame-Wake Forest game, which is 24 and a half right now. I'm going to preview Notre Dame basketball and Notre Dame hockey in one segment, kind of an Olympic segment. And we also have Sizzler, because I may not have a show tomorrow. I will provide my 10-pack of football picks today. If the Irish beat Auburn, I will have a show tomorrow. If Auburn beats Notre Dame, oh, okay. then I will not have a show tomorrow because the Irish will play the early game in Brooklyn. So I'm kind of preparing for them to be playing at 5 o'clock, to be honest with you, because I would not do my 10-pack today. So I'm assuming, and based on the point spread, they're a 14.5-point underdog. The Irish probably will come up short against Auburn tonight. But you never know. You never know. They're facing one of the great cheaters in college basketball history, Bruce Pearl. Wow. Not sure that matters, but they are. I'm glad that it's related to basketball schedules. The the 
whether or not you're having a Friday show rather than the FCC coming down on something Carter Carl said yesterday's show. No, Carter was just throwing down J.J. McCarthy bombs at us, right? <laughs> Other right. than that, nothing else. Hey, I want to get to a couple of things real quick. Marcus Freeman met the media today in a Zoom session. Center Zeke Carell is still in concussion protocol, still listed as questionable. Eric, I think history shows when you're in concussion protocol on Thursday, you fill in the blank. You're not playing. I mean, yeah. he hasn't had contact yet, and yeah. you wouldn't figure that that would change in the next 24 hours. But even then, you've missed two weeks of practice. Ashton Craig filled in very well in the last 21 snaps of the Clemson game on November 7th. Andrew Kristoffic apparently is available coming back from a high ankle sprain. But it's not like Andrew has a lot more right. game snaps. In fact, Ashton Craig may have more snaps at center this year than Andrew Kristoffic, so I think that's the direction that they'll go. And Marcus says wide receiver Jaden Thomas is available. He's been right. kind of a bike rider right. forever, so maybe we'll see him. <laughs> kind of in a group, yeah, everybody else is available kind of uh, answer. <laughs> so, yeah, we don't know to what extent, you know, if he's doing cartwheels, if he's limping, but he's supposed to be available. Everybody that was in the questionable category is out of that category except for Zeke Carell. But we should mention, too, he gave a little bit more detail on Rocco Spindler's season-ending injury, which is putting Billy Shrouth in his uh, place and his first college start at right guard. And Rocco Spindler's injury turned out to be an MCL injury, which is a lot less serious than mm -hmm. an ACL tear. So he is expected back for spring practice. Excellent news there. And Eric asked a question about Sam Hartman today. And the first part of the question was about what did you learn about going through the portal process? And you didn't get much of an answer on that. But then you asked what Sam has done for Notre Dame and, and vice versa. And I'm going to play the sound. This is what Marcus Freeman had to say in response to Eric's question about Sam Hartman. You know, he's just he's been so consistent in terms of his approach to the game. Um, he is a. Uh, done some really um, great things for our football program in terms of not just on the field, but off the field in terms of how he's really elevated the the preparation and the play of, of the quarterback room. Um, you know, his ability to meet with the White Owls to make sure everybody's on the same page. Um, you know, he's just brought a lot of things to our program that sometimes you just don't always see on Saturday. Um, as far as, as, you know, what we've done for him, I hope the, the ability to, to, to know another offense, the ability to, um, for him, have to learn a, a new system, a new coaching staff, adapt and adjust and get out of his comfort zone a little bit um, is something that I, I think he would be able to say, hey, Notre Dame provided for me um, in another way of, 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 of running a program, right? And, and, you know, obviously, I don't know the ins and outs of, of how Coach Clawson runs his program, but again, it's going to be different just because the head coach and the place is different. But um, listen, we're very grateful for having Sam a part of his team. We're, we're grateful that he chose this program, and um, we're going to miss him tremendously. Uh, but we, we got a couple games left with him, and uh, we look forward to having him these next three. Well, anybody that wants to call Sam Hartman a system quarterback, yeah, he had 77 touchdown passes the last two years at Wake Forest. And if it is the system that makes the quarterback, the three quarterbacks for Wake Forest this year have 11 touchdown passes. So maybe it's not just a system that makes 
Sam Hartman successful recently at Wake Forest. It's not worked out here for many, many reasons, but I hope Sam has found this to be an opportunity to grow and learn as a quarterback, and there's no doubt he has dealt with a lot of adversity this year. I agree, and he's um, leads by his actions and his words, and he has an opportunity Saturday to show how he responds to adversity. His pass efficiency rating in the Clemson game was the second lowest of his career. The only one lower was when they played Clemson when he was a freshman. They lost 63-3, to and that was a national championship Clemson team yep. that that not only crushed Notre Dame in the semifinal, they crushed Alabama in the championship. And Alabama was darn good yeah. that year. All right, 515 at Sports Radio 960, WSBT. He's Eric Hansen. I'm Darren Pritchett. So now let's get to our advantage game. Notre Dame at 7-3, Wake Forest at 4-6. and six. They have lost five of their last six contests, including last Saturday at home, the Demon Deacons lost to North Carolina State 26-6, a game in which they did not pick up their first first down until less than six minutes to go in the first half. They changed quarterbacks, Eric, and still they scored their first points in the fourth quarter and lost 26-6. And Dave Clawson kind of took responsibility for the loss. He's like, I got to reevaluate the program. I thought we were in better shape, but right now, they're a four and six football team, and he's already been talking about his kids are being contacted by schools wanting them to come play for them next year. Not a good part of college football. But Wake Forest, a 24 and a half point underdog coming to South Bend to take on the Fighting Irish. And we begin with something that's never been great for Wake Forest through their good offensive years. Their running game's always been, it seems like, kind of the sideshow. Right. And the sad thing about Wake is was it Kenneth Walker's the guy named that went to Michigan State? Yes. So he was at Wake Forest, and mm. right before his breakout year, he's like, I'm transferring to Michigan State, and then becomes an All-American there. But they are 93rd this year in rushing offense. They were a little bit better earlier in the year. It's it's gone backwards for them. Um, Notre Dame is 37th in rush defense, which is one of their lower categories. They're much higher in some others. Uh, but this is clearly a Notre Dame advantage. And I would really, if I were Al Golden, lean into the run defense in this game and make Michael Kern, the who's been the backup most of the year, make him beat you. And now in we, his first career start. Yeah, now we turn our attention to Kern leading this Wake Ford passing attack that is facing the number three pass efficiency defense in the country. Right, so Wake collectively, and they've played three quarterbacks. They they actually have started their third stringer uh, one game because of injuries. And he, and he won. Use, and he was not a quarterback. Yeah. He'd moved around to other positions, but when Sam got hurt last year or was uh, was ill and injured. Yeah, he in had Paul the blood Camp, clot. Yeah, he went back to quarterback, and now he started a game for Wake Forest and beat Pittsburgh. Right, right. Oof. <laughs> Oh, boy. Uh, if, if only they had to be in the conference full-time. Wait a second. Wakeforce is 94th in the country in pass offense, 86th in pass efficiency, 
128th out of 130 God. in protecting their quarterback. Uh, so Michael Kern will be running for his life and throwing the ball. Yeah, that's a big check mark for Notre Dame. Let's go to the unpredictable Fighting Irish offense. And Eric, if history tells us anything, Wake Forest will try to take away the run. They'll play man on the outside and we'll see how it goes. And based on what we know now, if they're playing man, we won't see much play action from yes, the Fighting Irish. Some of them. <laughs> and let's talk about when Notre Dame runs the ball first. No, I'm just facts. I know. What did I say that's funny? It's you, facts. Oh, it's just, I don't know. You crack me up. We both Am wore shorts. Am I a minx? We, you are a minx. We both wore shorts today and it's 63 degrees. Uh, but we this is our last chance that we have yeah. to do that. Okay, so I think Wake Forest defense is probably better than its numbers show. Um, and they're pretty aggressive in terms of tackles behind the line of scrimmage. <laughs> they're 62nd in rush defense. Notre Dame is 56th in dropping and rush offense. But I'm still going to give Notre Dame the check mark here. Here, even though that kind of sounds like a push, I think even with two new offensive linemen likely in the starting lineup, I think Notre Dame gets the job done running the ball. Okay, now let's turn our attention in the advantage game when Sam Hartman throws the football against his old team. Yeah, they're 73rd in the country in pass efficiency defense, and they faced an NC State team that doesn't tear it up in the past game and weren't really able to make much progress against them. That was a 26-6 game. Um, Notre Dame, Notre Dame's overall numbers for the year are pretty good. They're 46th in pass offense, 20th in pass efficiency. I just think Sam Hartman gets it done against these guys. I don't want to say like a 400-yard game or anything like that, but I do think they're good enough to win this check mark. Okay, all the check marks in the advantage game for Notre Dame-Wake Forest ending up in the Irish column. Will it continue with special teams, which let the Irish down at Clemson with some punt return and punt return defense miscues? Yeah, um, and Clemson wasn't a particularly prolific special teams team. Notre Dame is good in a couple of categories. Plus, Spencer Schrader's been on a roll since those early yes. misses. Uh, but Wake Forest is pretty good in a lot of areas. They're a good kickoff return team. They're a good punt coverage team, good net punting team. I'm going to give Wake Forest the mm. advantage here. Okay. Finally, 31 seniors being recognized by Notre Dame. Saturday at Notre Dame 31 Stadium. 31 seniors and pseudo-seniors. And some, yeah, with asterisks right. next to their name. Who knows how many come back. Right. But intangibles for Notre Dame-Wake Forest. It is a sellout now. It's a sellout. It's the 500th game in Notre Dame Stadium history. It's the first time Wake and Notre Dame have faced each other since Sam Hartman's freshman year, and they got pummeled and waked it in Winston-Salem 56-27. to Ian Book's first start. Right? Ian Book's first planned start, he oh. filled in, a, in an injury You're as right. a true freshman. I apologize. Or as a That's freshman. right. It was his first planned start, and it was Sam Hartman's fourth college game. And he said to me this summer, I think Drew Tranquil tackled me 15 times by himself. <laughs> and then he said, Julian Love is on the team. They go, don't throw his way. And he goes, the first pass I threw was at Julian Love, and he knocked it down. Mm. So um, I think. 
the intangibles are going to be in Notre Dame's favor. They've won six straight senior days, and this is one that they should be able to handle. Which brings us to a final score prediction. 7-3 and three, Notre Dame, 4-6 and six, Wake Forest. Again, the spread 24.5 in favor of Notre Dame. Yeah, I think Notre Dame's going to get some touchdowns, but I think they're also going to have to settle for some field goals. So I'm going to say Notre Dame 30 and Wake 10. We're in the same ballpark. Mm -hmm. I've got Notre Dame 34 and Wake Forest 9. (laughs) Okay. There you go. So 30 to 10 and 34 to 9. So not overwhelming, but solid. Got the job done and put away a weaker opponent. Well, I'll tell you, those 16th-ranked Iowa Hawkeyes in the latest college football playoff standings would be jealous of having either of those scores. And they lost one of the best players to injury this week. Did they really? Mm-hmm. Their corner and punt returner. How are they 16th? And just imagine if the punt return call against Minnesota was called correctly, they would have won that game likely. And they'd be higher. They'd be three. They'd be number three. Oh, that's the. There's always one head scratcher in the standings. I'm sure people look at my vote and go, "What was he drinking?" But I mean, that's one where I just say, "Wow, how did, can so many people get that wrong?" And they're not bringing the offensive coordinator back, right? And it's already known. And well, who have they beaten? Who's their big win? Penn State. Scored a million on them, and that they fired their offensive coordinator. Well, here's one for you. Have you ever heard of this? You, you said wow a minute ago? Yeah. Iowa's taking on Illinois and Iowa City. Okay. John Paddock, who was going to go to Ball State but wanted to go to Illinois because he's a legacy, he's the backup to Luke Altmeyer, who couldn't play last week against Indiana. Paddock goes out and throws for 500 yards, Eric, and is the Big Ten Player of the Week. And he is not starting against Iowa. They're going back to Luke Altmeyer, who was out last week. Have you ever heard of a quarterback throwing for 500 yards and goes back to the bench? <laughs> I have not. Okay, here's who Iowa has beaten. Just Utah State, Iowa State. They've gotten a little bit better. Western Michigan. And, and I mean, these aren't blowouts. Most of these Michigan State, they only beat them by 10. Everybody else beats them by 30. Yeah. Purdue. Wisconsin, that was a good win for them on the road, but it was 15 to 6. I mean, Wisconsin's 5 and 5 now. It could have been 8 to 7. Uh, they beat, speaking of 8 to 7, they beat Northwestern 10 to 7 and then shut out Rutgers. I mean, who impresses? What? What is the 16th rank win on that schedule? You're asking the wrong gentleman. All I know is last year when these two played That's in like Champagne. That's the worst schedule of a Power 5 team in yeah. the country. That's the easiest schedule. Last year in Champaign, Illinois won 9-6 to six over Iowa. <laughs> what would Notre Dame's record be against them? I don't know how they do against Penn State, but I think the rest of those would be pretty easy. You would hope. Okay. You would hope. Hey, I want to bring in one more item to our conversation to start the show. Really tough to see last night, Notre Dame women's basketball. They hammered Northwestern at Purcell Pavilion to move to 2-1. and one. But one of the key parts of the team, she's been so good, 
Sonia Citron, who had 23 points in 28 minutes last night, went down, Eric, with what I think it is fair to say, a knee injury that could could end up being, by the looks of things, severe. We'll find out right. eventually. And just, I mean, Niel Ivy isn't super forthcoming about any injury, and uh, the, her press conference and Cassandra uh, Prosper was in it as well. You kind of had to listen between the lines, but, I mean, they were talking about praying for her and we're going to finish the game and play for her. So, I mean, that doesn't sound like, oh, it was just a little twist. She'll be back yeah. Saturday for the Illinois game in Washington, D.C. Doesn't sound or didn't look good. Um, and that's a huge part of their team. I mean, that's their best player on the court. I know Hannah Hidalgo's ridiculously good, but Sonia Citron is so valuable, and she's got size as a guard. The good news is Notre Dame does have a lot of guards, and they have those skills. They're just in different people. Sonia Citron, it was all in one package. She had size. She had three-point shooting ability. She had defense. She could be a playmaker. Um, th- there was so much. Um, and it, it it does make you say, okay, they kind of need Olivia Miles to come back. Uh, again, you can get the size from Cass Prosper. You can get the three-point shooting from Emma Risch. Um, you can get some rebounding and defense from K.K. Bransford, but they can't all be in the same body at the same time. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they responded. I mean, they didn't they didn't fold the tents when Olivia went down last year, but they had trouble playing without her, and uh, they have a very challenging schedule before they get to the ACC, which again will be more challenging. So they will, um, Illinois is a good team. They were, yeah. they started the year in the top 25. They're not there now, but they just beat somebody by 70, I think St. Peter's. So, um, but yeah, uh, our thoughts are with uh, Sonia Citron and her family and Maris Lee Fow, her boyfriend, he's gone through a serious injury as well. So, All right. So we'll see the Irish and the Illini Saturday here that game on Live 99.9. Michigan today has withdrawn their, how would I say it? They were contending the Big Ten suspension of head coach Jim Harbaugh, and now they have backed off that, and they are accepting the penalty against Jim Harbaugh, who will, in fact, have a three-game suspension to end the year. He served one game, Maryland this week, Ohio State next week. So the Big Ten will no longer litigate against Michigan, but the NCAA investigation continues. So basically, after Michigan said, well, this didn't happen, and if it did happen, other people were doing it, and we're going to sue, at the end of the day, by doing this, they admitted guilt. Because if you're innocent, Eric, you don't stop at this point. They're guilty of everything charged from my standpoint, And the Big Ten is done with punishing Michigan, at least for this. And knowing Michigan's history recently, maybe something else pops up. But from an NCAA standpoint, they're not done yet. And for the players, you know what? They got a chance to win a national championship. Everything's still in front of them. And good for them. It's not all their fault. That's for sure the stuff that's going on. None of it is their fault. So, players go get it. 
It's okay. them against the world, right? Michigan versus everybody. And who comes to town, Ann Arbor, next week? Hmm. Think that might be a little salty with the Buckeyes in Ann Arbor? Jeez. <laughs> it's always salty. Yeah, it be saltier. Boy, oh boy, that'll be fun. They all have to have Lou Holtz on ESPN to say something. That'll that'll spice it up even more. Well, whatever he says is wrong this year. So, yeah, if you want to have somebody on that's wrong all the time, bring on Lou. We'll take a timeout. We'll recap Eric's chat at Indy Insider. I'm a little salty today. It's been one of those days where you just don't feel good. And you know what, Eric, let's just, whatever comes to mind, say it. So we'll get to the chat coming up in a couple of moments, 5.30 at WSPT. And a tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. I'm alongside Eric Hansen, the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com. Check out his website right now while you're listening to the program. That's InsideIndieSports.com. Every Wednesday at noon, Eric hosts a chat on that website. Notre Dame fans around the world ask him questions in regard to Notre Dame football. I have pulled a few of the questions. And let's get some answers. We've seen the written version. Now we will get in the verbal answer to these questions. We will start with a chat favorite, Marie from Atlanta. She wants to know, now that Freeman has stated that they will go to the portal for a quarterback next year, what other positions do you feel they need to fill through the transfer portal of the players who have eligibility for next year? Which players do you think that it's most important Notre Dame convinced to stay? We'll start and maybe focus mainly on positions you see that you believe the Irish could help themselves by going into the portal for. Okay, let's go through. Let's just do position by position, probably okay. the easiest way okay. to do it. So she's already addressed the quarterback. Running back, No. Uh, wide receiver, yes. Um, even though you're going to have a lot of numbers, you need an experienced guy. And if you can get it at the field uh, receiver, the outside field receiver, that's the, that would be where I would get it. You don't need a slot receiver. So I would go after somebody there. Tight ends, I would say no. You're going to have lots of numbers. Maybe if you're worried about Mitchell Evans' ACL thing lingering into the season or into the preseason, maybe – but I don't think you do. You you should have enough talent and enough numbers. If you're not developing that high pedigree player, then you need a new tight ends coach. Um, I would say offensive line, likely no, unless you have some unexpected departures. You 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 could consider somebody, but you have a lot of good material there. I mean, you have four and five star, not five, well, you do. You have five star guys and you have guys that play like five star guys, but you have a lot of four star recruits and, and players. Would it be worth trying to find, and I'm not necessarily meaning a starter, but would it be wise to go get a guy that could play either tackle position as an insurance policy or? someone that might upgrade the position. And I know people love Wagner, could be the yeah. future left tackle. I, I don't think Fisher moves over there. So would it be of value to find a tackle in the portal? And again, not necessarily a starter, but a nice insurance policy. I think if Tosh Baker moves on and goes somewhere else, then okay. maybe that 
plays your hand. I, you know, you like Charles Jagaza coming up. Um, Ty Chan is a guy they like a lot. That's a young tackle that can also play inside. Um, they're going to have Garby Lambert coming in as a true freshman, and I realize he's a true freshman, but he's kind of, you know, Blake Fisher, Joe Alt kind of material coming in the door now. Whether he develops into that, we'll see. But there's there's some pretty good material there. I, I only if, for me, if uh, Tosh Baker leaves, then you'd want maybe a veteran guy that's a backup. Okay, let's move okay. on. Okay. You want, you want to go to, to defense? Do you want me to do yeah, defense? Yeah, go ahead. Real quick, defensive end, yes. Interior mm-hmm. defensive line, if they lose Mills and, and Cross. Uh, linebacker, no. Cornerback, no. Safety, probably. Although it looks like Xavier Watts, he's not doing the senior thing. He's not in their graphic. He's not on the list for Saturday. So unless he changes his mind and goes running out of his apartment and hugs his parents... Um, he sounds like he's coming back. Good news there. And kicker, yes. Morrison Watts, that's a pretty good place to start in your secondary next year. Right. Okay, Tom from Georgia. Eric, how do you expect the offense to perform in these next two games? Tom's opinion, no three and out, sustained drives, which means third down conversions. Am I dreaming? Uh, No three and outs, he's dreaming. Uh, I think it's reasonable. And you call me salty. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think for any team to say no three and outs, I mean, come on. When Trevor Lawrence was at his best, I think he had some three and outs uh, over a two-game stretch, don't you? Um, But the third down efficiency was really good at the beginning of the year and has really been bad in the stretch of games Notre Dame's been going through in the – latter half of their season and so I think it's reasonable reasonable to expect and demand or assume that that's going to get better so he's not dreaming on that he doesn't have to pinch himself Dennis from Niagara Falls and he's got a lot of things going on here but one thing I want to ask and I think this is something you've kicked around as well what's the record this year with Brian Kelly and Tommy Reese still here along with Al Golden. What I said to Dennis was, let's take the Brian Kelly thing out of it because recruiting would have changed. You may not get some of the recruits that you thought you were going to get. But what we can do is Tommy Reese, the recruiting recruiting class was already done. Sam Hartman had already transferred. So I think that's an easier one for me to do. And with that, I said – I think they lose to Ohio State, but I think they beat Clemson and Louisville. So I think they're two games better. Okay. Interesting. Very interesting. Had you said that to Irish fans 365 days ago that Tommy Reese departing would hurt this football team, men it would be, what are you drinking? Well, maybe even in August and September, we we all Very were true. like, hey, this, this guy looked four Games out of shoot, the most points scored in like 100 years in the first four games. And then, aha. Yeah, then, aha. Uh, then college football adjusted. I mean, Brian Van Gorder was great in his first few games. I think his first game might have been a shutout of Michigan. Put a quarter in the curse jar. You said that word, okay. that name. So we got that jar over there. It's getting kind of full right now. So be careful how many times you, you use that name. Okay. Irish Mike from Altoona, Pennsylvania. 
Eric, in your opinion, in the end, was it worth it to bring Sam Hartman in and lose Buckner and Pine? The record and stats are eerily similar to last season. If we keep Buckner, this year's results, according to Irish Mike, are probably similar. Plus, another year of Tyler would bridge the gap to either Carr or Minchie, so we don't need to go shopping in the portal again. Well, I don't know... I don't know that going shopping in the portal is this horrible thing that people are making it out to be. What I think would have been the best case scenario was to bring Hartman in and for Tyler Buckner to stay, both for Notre Dame and for Tyler Buckner. I think Tyler Buckner would have really benefited from being around Sam Hartman for a year, and I think uh, he would have positioned himself to be at least the lead candidate to get that 2024 job. That doesn't mean they wouldn't have gone to the portal. That doesn't mean Steve Angeli or C.J. Carr or Kenny Minchie wouldn't have beaten him out, but he would have been in a much better situation to start than trying to start at Alabama this year or next year. Um, but, yeah, I do think it was worth it. And and maybe I haven't done as good a job, and I tried to do it in today's notebook of explaining beyond the numbers why – Sam Hartman has been such a positive thing. And I talked to Zora Stephenson, who's been the sideline reporter. She's doing the women's basketball game Saturday, so she won't be doing it this week. She'll be doing Notre Dame women's basketball. But she had a great story about how Sam Hartman changed Ben Morrison's habits. And just by him observing him and him wanting to be a better player and feeling like this is the way to go about it. So... I, I don't think Notre Dame's record would be the same with Tyler Buckner or Drew Pine starting, and they're not playing last year's schedule. So, no, I do think that Notre Dame gained by having Sam Hartman here. I just think having an experienced guy, helping is not the right word, but helping to navigate through rough waters with a first-time quote-unquote offensive coordinator, yeah. it's that's very, very important. Absolutely. That's why I cringe next year. A first-time starter coupled with that situation, that's that's a little nerve-wracking for me. And maybe we won't have to go down that road with the transfer portal or whatever happens. I did see a stat a moment ago in 2016 when Notre Dame had their disastrous season. They were 42nd in the country in points per drive. This year they're 41st. Anyway, just kind of an interesting little stat comparing – Results to 2016, which we really don't want to do. Okay. Okay. Matt from Kansas City. Eric, if we lose Cam Hart and Xavier Watts to the NFL draft, are we deep enough to still have an elite secondary next year? Do you anticipate a step back next year, or are we talented enough to make a 12-team playoff run? Let me take that part of the question first. I, I do think there's enough talent on the roster for Notre Dame to compete for a playoff spot. And I think there was enough talent on this year's team to compete for a 12-team a playoff spot. Um, they wouldn't be in that field right now, but I think the talent was there to be able to do that. And I think next year they will have enough talent to do that. As far as the secondary, the cornerbacks are going to be really good unless you have just some crazy departures, but you think about Ben Morrison is back, Jade Mickey, Christian mm. Gray. You've got two good guys coming in. Um, 
and you've got some other players on the roster who don't play very much who are pretty good cornerbacks. At safety, if we're assuming Xavier Watts is coming back, and I think that's becoming more of a safe assumption mm-hmm. based on him not even participating in senior day, that helps a lot um, because you are going to lose Thomas Harper, the nickel, you, and who plays safety. You are going to lose D.J. Brown. There are two of the seven players with expiring eligibility. You know those guys aren't coming back. You know, Ramon Henderson is a senior. He may not use this COVID year. And then you got a lot of young guys like Adon Schuler, Luke Talich, Ben Minnick. Um, you've got a really good freshman coming in and Bronte Johnson, who's an incredible athlete, but isn't playing a lot of safety or didn't play a lot of safety this year for his team in Fort Wayne. Um, so I think you probably, with a portal guy, Going with Xavier Watts and some of those young guys, I think they could be really good in the secondary next year. For more from Eric's chat, you can go to InsideIndieSports.com. All the questions, all the answers are there for you to read at InsideIndieSports.com. Sports be brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations, serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. The Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. South Bend Orthopedics, trusted in the community for over 75 years. By Bethel University's Adult and Graduate Studies, Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash solid ground for details. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at FeedIndiana.org. And Legacy Heating and Air. Ask how you can get free maintenance for life and save like a champion today. Twitter question of the day next on WSBT. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960. WSBT. Eric Hansen is the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com. I'm Darren Pritchett. Our Sportsbeat InsideIndieSports.com Twitter question from yesterday. The voting is still actually taking place right now, so we'll give you the exit polls. We can all agree that when an offense is struggling, normally there are many places you can point a finger. With the Notre Dame offense being inconsistent, what do you believe is a majority of the problem? Player execution, which is also talent, game plan, play calling, in-game adjustments. Fourth place in the voting, what Marcus Freeman believes is the issue. Player execution only got 14.3% of the vote. Hitting hitting the button. What's that again? He was hitting the button. button. (laughs) 19.3% said game planning. 26.8% went with in-game adjustments. Eric went that direction. Winning the vote, 39.6% said the biggest issue with the Notre Dame offense is the play calling. Well, I think my in-game adjustments covers some of the play calling. So basically 75% had an issue with the offensive coordinator in some capacity. And the other, well, heck, more than that, actually. 85 85% said that 14% went with player execution. We thank you for voting. Here's today's question. What is the most likely outcome of the Notre Dame Wake Forest game? Three choices. Notre Dame wins by between one and 20 points. Notre Dame wins by 21 or more or Wake Forest wins. Eric and I are in different categories. I've got the Irish winning by 25. You have them winning by 20. 
All right, as we start to wind things down, I want everyone to know what they can find at InsideNDSports.com, which is Eric's internet publication, along with Tyler James. Right, so I've got a notebook uh, from today's Zoom session and some other stuff that I've been able to gather during the week, including Sam Hartman's impact at Notre Dame. Tyler's got a great feature on Billy Shrouth, who makes his first collegiate start at right guard on Saturday. We still have the chat transcript up, recruiting stuff from Charleston Bowles, and much, much more. Always the best part. Well, I guess I will see you again on Saturday. Game Day Sports Beat brought to you by Bud Light, live from Notre Dame Stadium from noon until 2.30. We'll talk more about everything on your website. Right? <laughs> that sounds great. And and I am so hungry from hearing the Barnabys commercials. Well, on your way home, they have three <laughs> locations. Stop on by. Eric, thank you. We will see you on Saturday. Sounds good. That's Eric Hansen. Check him out at InsideNDSports.com. I've got a sports update coming up in just a moment. Then you'll hear from VEASAN's Tim Murray as we talk Notre Dame football with a Las Vegas spin here on WSBT. You can listen to Budweiser's weekday sports beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the app store and Google play. Now back to local sports talk on sports beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. It's another game week for the Fighting Irish, the final home game for 2023. Notre Dame will take on the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. That is Saturday at 3.30 right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We might have a few more listeners than normal since the television package for this game is a network that won't even be in existence this time next year, the Pac-12 Network. Well, we are heading out west right now to talk to Tim Murray, Diehard Notre Dame football fan and host of VEASAN's Primetime Show, which you can catch weeknights starting at 6 Eastern time on VEASAN, which is available on YouTube TV and at VSIN.com. Tim, I would have to imagine as a big-time media celebrity that you have no problem getting the Pac-12 network. <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I was pretty surprised uh, to see that next week's game is going to be on the Pac-12 network. Uh, so... Uh, we'll enjoy the fruits of NBC one last time uh, and easy accessibility. You know, it, it it's stunning to me uh, that a network that will not exist, I'm assuming, uh, next year, unless, you know, Oregon State and Washington State, all their games are going to be on that network. Um, you know, as a broadcaster, I hope people keep their jobs. So uh, that that's the case. But I, I just don't get it. I really don't. And I'm not a Notre Dame homer. You know, it's. You work. Oh, I am a Notre Dame homer, but <laughs> I, I'm realistic, right? Like Pac-12 after dark is is UCLA against Cal. Uh, UCLA is probably going to fire Chip Kelly after they lose this weekend to USC. Cal's under 500. Uh, neither team have big, rabid fan bases. Notre Dame would make a lot of sense in that spot, especially being a nationally ranked team and the brand that they are. But Look, uh, Fubo, uh, Fubo TV free trials are going to be at an all-time high <laughs> next week. Uh, I've uh, I've done that a couple times. Uh, you know, the the funny thing is, living in Las Vegas, our basic TV package does not carry the Pac-12. Mm. Uh, obviously, if I went to a sports book, I would be able to do it. I'm going to be out of town, 
Uh, so I'm going to be doing like all, all of us are going to be doing, uh, getting that free Fubo TV trial. So uh, let's all, uh, you know, get those numbers up next week as we watch it uh, on Saturday night streaming on Fubo. Yeah, I did a poor job of setting that up. Of course, the Wake Forest game is on NBC. Then the following week against Stanford is on the Pac-12 network. Well, and of course, like you said, though, you said the right thing. Let's all listen to Paul Burmeister and Ryan Harris because I love those two guys. I think they do a great job. So, uh, you know, let's go old school. Sit on your stoops, (laughs) have a fire outside, and listen to Paul and Ryan on WSBT. You just sold it, baby. That is absolutely Perfect. Now sell the Irish fans. They should be excited about the Irish offense this week against Wake Forest. Yeah, a little harder sell. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, 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 do, I do want to take a step back. I'm not trying to make this, you know, glass half full. It's a disappointing year, no doubt. And the Clemson game, letting it stew for as long as it has and hearing some of the comments from Jared Parker and, and Marcus Freeman this past week, in my opinion, didn't make it any better. But you know, watching Notre Dame football, we only get to do it 13 times a year. So uh, I'm going to enjoy watching it, and hopefully it is a situation where Audric Estime in his final game uh, in Notre Dame Stadium is able to go, you know, off for 150 yards. And, and, you know, we could think back to those 4-0 games that the way the season started. So it would be nice. Look, they're 25-point favorite. Uh, I bet on Wake Forest last week, and uh, that was the wrong side immediately. Uh, they are pretty inept offensively. So I, I trust in the defense, and uh, hopefully the offense can flex their muscles here a little bit. Uh, I certainly was surprised, and I'm sure you've talked about it, Darren, uh, that, that Sam Hartman with the week that is ahead playing against the, you know, the school where he's you know, the greatest quarterback of all time was not available to the media. That seemed a bit odd and peculiar to me. I don't know if that was a decision by him or if it was more Notre Dame, but uh, that was a, a bit interesting uh, there. But uh, I know it'll be an emotional game for him. But, uh, you know, seeing Notre Dame win and, and hopefully win comfortably, uh, I, I do hearken back to some, some days. You know, 2007 wasn't that long ago. So uh, I do hearken back and say, all right, you know, let's enjoy this final game at Notre Dame Stadium. But, you know, overall, obviously, I think all of us are, are pretty disappointed uh, how this season has uh, has unfolded when you look at especially the last two losses, you know, on the road in Louisville and on the road at Clemson being, you know, while it, the 31-23 obviously was uh, competitive, I guess, uh, and plenty of opportunities, the frustrations and the in- inability offensively, I think, is where I think all of our frustrations continue to, to go back to. Tim Murray from VEASAN is my guest, and your comments right there just sparked Two more questions that I want to ask you. The first is, I had the same conversation with Eric Hansen from InsideIndieSports.com last night that this football team is 7-3, and three, but based on the reaction he gets from his subscribers and people who talk to me, there is so much frustration, and you just pointed it out, this team very easily could end up 10-3. and three. So why is there so much frustration? This is what I said to Eric last night. I think the problem is when the fan base senses that part of the issue is coaching rather than not enough talent or not enough player execution, they sense that, and it always feels worse when it feels like there's a coaching issue compared to player execution. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, and, you know, I I went back and I looked up my preview uh, in our college football betting guide uh, that we do for VEASAN. And I said, I think Notre Dame's going to go 9-3. and three. 
they're going to go one and two in the big three games, Ohio State, USC, Clemson. And I said they're going to lose to Louisville or one of, you know, Duke or NC State. And I, that's going to happen, you know, barring something catastrophic here in the final two games. And I even said it's more likely, in my opinion, they go eight and four than 10 and two. That was my preseason prognostication. And I'm disappointed at seven and three. And this team is likely going to go nine and three going to play on New Year's Day, likely in the ReliaQuest Bowl, and play an SEC team where if it's Tennessee, they're probably going to be a favorite. And if they win that, they're ten, that's a 10-win season. But no, it, it is. I think it is disappointing because the excitement that was there in the acquisition of Sam Hartman, I think those first handful of games maybe kind of put the, the cover over our eyes of the, the question marks at the, the pass-catching position. And then what seems to be regression from Sam Hartman, but more so questions at the play-calling uh, play role. And I think overall, to answer the question, we think back to last spring, and it was incredibly clunky and incredibly yeah. frustrating that Notre Dame – whether it was inability or reluctancy to buy out Andy Ludwig, whatever it was, it felt like for a program that wants to win national championships and continues to say that and has been on the upward trajectory since the back half of the BK era into the Freeman era, you know, I think it, to me, and I don't want to speak for everyone, but it kind of brought back that, just awful taste in our mouth from the spring of what just happened. They just mm-hmm. hired the tight end coach with no play calling experience to run this fine tuned offense where you went out and got arguably the biggest free agent acquisition in all of college football. So, you know, it's funny because I texted you this this week, Notre Dame's preseason win total is eight and a half. Yep. They're going to go over that in the eyes of Vegas and we're disappointed. And I think we have the right to be disappointed because, the Ohio State game was right there, and you know the Clemson game was was remarkably. Um, it, it felt like they were not prepared for the Clemson game, and I think that's that's where the frustration continues to sit with this fan base. And here's part two of my thought, Tim, because there is a I would call it a small majority of the fan base that contacts us in the Notre Dame media that they feel like Sam Hartman is a failure and he's not as good as he was advertised. And I've heard even a member of the Notre Dame media called Hartman a system quarterback at Wake Forest. Okay, he had 77 touchdown passes the last two years at Wake Forest. Using that same system this year, three Wake Forest quarterbacks have combined for 11 touchdown passes. So it's not an automatic that you're going to throw 30 touchdown passes just because you're a Wake Forest quarterback. Did Sam miss throws against Clemson? Absolutely, Tim. There's no doubt about it. He did not have a good day, but I think there is just so much around him that is in flux. I think it's truly affecting him. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think you said it pretty well. I mean, I I think Sam Hartman uh, benefited from a pro wide receiver and A.T. Perry being on his roster. A.T. Perry would be the best pass catcher on this roster by miles. Uh, Jaden Thomas being hurt, obviously, is a massive issue. I I think if Notre Dame... And this is, you know, a, a systemic issue. And, and look, Notre Dame is out recruiting very well. And I know there's a lot of excitement about the wide receiver class coming in next year. And some freshmen made some strides and some big catches this year. But, you know, for Jordan Faison, who was a walk-on up until the start of the season, to be 
one of the more twitchy and go-to wide receivers, I think that is the issue. Look, if Notre Dame had better wide receivers, I think Sam Hartman would have better numbers. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, that's where it all kind of boils down to, whether it was, you know, whether it has been the failure at recruiting wide receivers, which I think is a pretty, pretty obvious yes, um, you know, whether it was a failure not to go out and get more pieces in the portal. I know they went out and got Caleb Smith, and unfortunately. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Wesley, off balance shot, no good. Atkinson put back. It's good. That's it. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Notre Dame in double overtime. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. Happy St. Patrick's Day, baby. Welcome back to Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Darren Pritchett with you. We have some Irish basketball coming up later tonight on WSBT Radio. Pre-game coverage at 8.30. Opening tip scheduled for 9 o'clock, as we know, when you have doubleheaders on the same court. These games never start on time. And with this classic in Brooklyn, the opening game is Oklahoma State taking on St. Bonaventure, more than likely. The Irish game will not start at 9 o'clock, probably more likely 9.30, to be honest with you. But the Irish will take on a 1-1 one one Auburn team tonight. The Tigers, they had a chance to beat Baylor on a neutral floor in their opener and, and just couldn't get it done. And they followed that up by beating Southeast Louisiana 86-71. Janai Broom is the guy to watch for the Tigers. He's a 6'10 player. He can shoot from the outside. He can knock down threes. And right now he is leading Auburn with 17 points and 11 rebounds per game. So Auburn is one and one. Notre Dame is one and one. They had to come from behind to beat Niagara and then lost to Western Carolina last Saturday at Purcell Pavilion by a final score of 71 to 61. In that game, the Irish only shot 37% from the field, 8 of 26 from 3. When they got to the free throw line, which was not very often, they only hit 9 of 14 free throws, and they were minus 5 in the rebound category against Western Carolina. In that game, Marcus Burton, the freshman guard, led the Irish with 17 points, but he needed 15 shots from the field to get to those 17 points. Six of 15 from the field, one of four from the three-point line, five rebounds, a couple of assists. But he also had five turnovers. Western Carolina attacked Burton early and often in this game, resulting in four personal fouls against Burton. And also in plus-minus, Burton had the worst mark on either squad. He was minus 20, which means when he was on the floor, Notre Dame scored 20 fewer points than they scored against Western Carolina. After that game on Saturday, Micah Shrewsbury, the head coach of the Fighting Irish, sat down and talked to the voice of the Irish, Tony Simeone. And, of course, that conversation was heard on WSBT Radio. Never gotten to a true rhythm. Just what you see, what did they do that made it tough to find a consistent offensive performance tonight? I don't – I mean, I think they're a really good um, – First of all, they're a really good team. Like, hats off to those guys. Um, they're old. They're veterans. They've been together. They have a system. They execute their system on both ends of the floor. Um, we're not there yet. Mm -hmm. We're not there yet. Um, but, like, right now, we're not trusting each other enough. 
and that's that's the biggest thing for us is we got to trust each other. Like we we have ten assists, we had nine assists, like nineteen assists in two games, not going to cut it. Like we are holding the ball, we're pounding the ball, we're dribbling the ball, and that is the easiest thing to guard. And we're not moving it. And until we get to that, then we're going to struggle to score points. We're going to score 60-something points every single game unless we get to moving the basketball and playing the right way. And right now we don't have enough guys playing the right way. I thought Kerry Booth gave you a great punch there in the second half, hit three threes in a row to kind of give you a chance and get it back within one. Second straight game, he's really been impressive in my eyes. What would you see from him especially in the second half? Uh, you know, just confidence. He was stepping into his three and, and – uh, you know, they, they kept giving it to him, um, and the guys kept finding him, right? That was something that was that was good for us. Um, I thought he played with, with good energy. I, I know he's probably, um, you know, I, I just wish in that moment we got some stops, right? We mm-hmm. keep scoring, but we couldn't get the stop that we needed. And uh, But I, I thought he was, he was really good. I thought he's, you know, for the second game in a row, giving us a punch. Last one I have for you before I let you go is just about you talked about the trust. You've got a couple of days now before your first road trip. What do you guys have to work on then to get it going in the right direction before this first road trip to a neutral site in Brooklyn? You know, get back to work. I think on, on you know, Monday, you know, we got to watch the film. And then on Monday, we got to watch, watch it as a group and get back to work. And, like, we have to be better. I got to be better. I got to be better for them. I got to help them. Um, in some ways, and I, like I was bad, like I, you know, I've been on the officials twice, and, and you know, it's a hard, it's a, it's a tough moment. And, you know, like you want to do well, mm-hmm. um, but I got to help our guys, and um, I need to be the best that I can be for them. I, I think they'll be better if I'm better for them. Um, so that, that's that's the biggest thing, man. They're they're fighting. We saw some fight in the second half. Mm-hmm. I didn't think we competed the way we needed to in the first half, but we had some fight in the second half, and. Um, you know, I, I need to help these guys to, to be good. Also of note from the game against Western Carolina and the two games in general, Julian Roper's off to a good start, the transfer guard from Northwestern. At Northwestern, he averaged four points and 4.4 points per game and very limited opportunities. So far through two games with the Irish, 10.5 points per game, 9 of 20 from the field. He is 2 of 8 from 3, but he's only committed one turnover so far this year, the guy that's you got to be excited about is, and that is Kerry Booth, 15 points and seven rebounds per game, had 20 against Western Carolina, a smooth outside jump shot for a 6'10 player. He is 5 of 11 from the three-point line so far this year. So it sure seems like Booth is a player that Notre Dame is going to be able to build around as they try to get this program back going once again, and hopefully headed toward the NCAA tournament in the near future. But right now, it's a scramble for the Irish as they're putting all these new parts together, brand new team basically, and now they take on a really good Auburn team tonight in Brooklyn. Scheduled pregame at 8.30, scheduled start time 9 o'clock here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, it was a good weekend for the Fighting Irish hockey team as they hosted Ohio State last weekend. Danny Nelson, top of the right circle, skates toward the middle. Left dot, Fleming. Now top of the left circle, Nelson, who leaves it for Bavaro. Back to Danny Nelson. One-timer, save, rebound, Landon Slager. He scores at the near side post. Landon Slager 
a couple of inches from the goal line. He jabs it into the back of the net. His eighth goal of the season. That is goal number three on the power play to lead the Irish. A three-pack of goals in the second. And Notre Dame has a 3-0 lead on Ohio State. Irish win it. Landon Slager, tough angle shot from the left circle. Blocked before it could get on goal. Now a wraparound chance. They score! It's Moynihan again. He got the loose puck behind the net. Got to the right goal line. He backhanded the puck at a very tough angle. And it goes in. A two-goal night for Moynihan. 2-0 Notre Dame with 9.53 to go in the second. The Fighting Irish posted wins over Ohio State, 4-1 and 3-0. Great weekend for goaltender Ryan Bischel, giving up just one goal. Patrick Moynihan had a two-goal game. Landon Slager continues to lead this Fighting Irish offense. Up next for the 17th-ranked Fighting Irish, a trip up north to take on the Minnesota Golden Gophers, who are ranked number six in the country. One thing about going up to play the Gophers at Mariucci, we no longer have to play on Olympic-sized ice sheet, which is much wider than what we have at the Compton Family Ice Arena. It's just like our secondary ice sheet if you've been to the Compton. They now have the same size rink as we do at Lefty Smith Rink. And to go along with that arena, they've got some outstanding players, which have the Gophers back in the top 10 once again. Fighting Irish head coach, Jeff Jackson. Yeah, they still, you know, they still bring in some of the top players. Um, so there's, you know, it's just rebuilding. It's not rebuilding for them. It's just reloading. And they have a lot of, you know, a lot of guys returning that were a big part of their team last year. So, you know, and it, and it starts with their goaltender, um, with Justin Close, you know, being one of the best goalies in the country. And and they usually are pretty sound on the back end. Um, I'm sure that hasn't changed that much, even though they lost a lot back there. Um and the same thing up front. They lost a fair, a fair bit, but again, they replaced that with uh, more skill and speed and talent. So it's not like there's going to be a, a, a big drop-off for them. There usually isn't. Um, similar to a few other programs in the country, you know, you you just assume that it's going to be a, a, a good transition game, fast and, you know, high-tempo game. And the trip to the Twin Cities is normally fun for various members of the Irish hockey team as Notre Dame always has a handful of players from the state of Minnesota. And every time I've asked one of those players about going back home, it is a thrill for them and a big opportunity to play at the University of Minnesota. For the Fighting Irish, they are off to a solid start in the Big Ten Conference. Without a doubt, the deepest and most difficult conference in college hockey. Six of the seven teams in the conference are ranked. The only team that is not, Ohio State was. They dropped out after Notre Dame swept them last week. And the Irish vaulted into the top 20 at number 17. I have the Irish ranked 14th in my USCHO.com poll. But Notre Dame is 2-0-2 in Big Ten Conference play. A pair of wins at home against Ohio State and a pair of ties on the road the previous week at Penn State. A step up in competition taking on the Gophers this weekend. Friday and Saturday, both games will start at 8 o'clock Eastern time. I'll have the call of both games on our sister station, Quality Rock 94.3 FM. The pregame coverage each night will get underway at 745. We've got Sizzler coming up next. Some sports wagering conversation on your home of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 